An Instagram post gets an unexpected boost. A TikTok catches in the algorithm. Sometimes that's all it takes to launch someone into internet fame. But then what? This Blew Up is a new podcast documentary that reveals how social media stardom is made. It's a different kind of fame that's not always as glamorous as it looks. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Alyssa Bereznak. You can listen to This Blew Up on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of reals always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to a Jam Session special. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm here with my colleague, Amanda Dobbins. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Juliette. I accidentally introduced you, forgetting what podcast I was on. I'm really sorry. It's not our usual time slot, you know, so I'm out of my rhythm. You landed the plane. You said correct things. <laughs> I This is a Jam Session special. I am Amanda Dobbins, and I'm happy to see you. I'm actually, I'm really happy to see you. We're here today to talk about part one of Harry and Meghan, or I, I should say like episodes one, two, and three of Harry and Meghan, the Netflix documentary. And I watched all of this yesterday, Thursday, the day it came out, but I, I finished it after 9 p.m. PST, mm. which is midnight. EST, which is when Juliet's asleep. And so I wasn't hopefully, able, hopefully. Yeah. And we've never, I guess we've talked about this a little bit, but like I try to not text you during those hours to respect like really your window. It. I sometimes forget, or there's like something that's really urgent. <laughs> so I need you to wake up, you know, have it when you wake up. Like when I text you being like, do you remember the plot of last Christmas, the movie starring Amelia Clark and Henry <laughs> Golding? Like, I think that was like a 10 PM Can PST you text. Who was dead in that one. It was Henry Golding. He was like the heart transplant or the liver transplant right, donor right, right, right. who allowed Amelia Clark to live. That Her is one of live. that right. is one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. I'll just say my answer is no. I don't remember the plot. Right, to that right, movie, right, obviously. Right, right, right. <laughs> 
And also, like, I had forgotten that I sent you that text when I woke up. So you responded. And I think your guess was like, so Henry Golding is dead. But I like received that as a breaking news alert in first thing in the morning. So then I Googled being like, oh, my God, Henry Golding. He's okay. He's not dead. Anyway. Long way of, might be. Didn't take off the way I was hoping it would. Yeah. Long way of saying, I'm glad to be with you now to be able to talk about the second part of this documentary and also to talk about the three hours that we spent individually yesterday in person. We've had some text conversations, but we haven't had a face-to-face. Yeah. So episodes one, two, and three of Harry and Meghan came out. It's directed by Liz Garbus. It very roughly follows a linear timeline of their relationship and with some digressions here and there and some context about both of them. We hear from uh, Megan's mom, who I've never heard to speak before, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, Doria Raglan. We hear from Megan's niece, Ashley Hale, who I didn't know about. Me either. That was Probably the only thing, one of the few things we, we like truly learned from this. It was brand new. We hear from a few British historians to give us context around the meaning of monarchy and the royal family in Britain. We hear from more academics to hear about the lasting impact of the empire and commonwealth and the queen's legacy. And we see a lot of iPhone footage of Meghan and Harry from the last six years. I will say, as just a storytelling device, I thought that the iPhone footage worked nicely. It's something that's like, I feel like it was leveraged in a good way, just in terms of like filmmaking. But I guess like, should we just do this ringer exit survey style? Like Amanda, what's your tweet length review? This was boring. Sorry. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was long and boring and a little bit sour, I thought, which mm-hmm. I also think that they have every right to be. I think that I understand why Harry and Meghan felt trapped and really upset and kind of hopeless in in their lives and within the system of the royal family. And like, I get it. And I understand why they left. And I even, well, I don't totally understand why they're making this documentary. Like that's sort of, I do, I think, which is ultimately that they need money but in order to pay for their security and stuff. But there was sort of a dissatisfaction running through all of this that it wasn't like the most fun to be around, I would say, even as I think that they are completely justified in everything that they did. Yeah, I think they certainly do need to work to support themselves. Sure. I also think that they very clearly, since, you know, since before they got married, felt frustrated by their treatment. And so I think that the first opportunity, literally the first opportunity to like tell the story they wanted it to be remembered, they took. You know, one thing that I found really interesting about this was how present the queen is. The two looming figures from Harry's life are his mother and his grandmother, Diana and, and the queen. Very clearly, that the bulk of the making of this show was while the queen was still alive. And they even, one of the first cards says that all of this footage was finished by August, 2022, which was a very pointed, this is before the death of the queen. Yes. And right. The queen died a few weeks later and Netflix, like somewhat famously has a very long quote unquote ingestion period, which is like, you have to deliver the, like the show well in advance of it airing. And so 
you know, there were so there have been so many rumors about Harry and Meghan trying to change the show in light of the Queen's death. But I actually just like I'm, I'm sure there's ways to get around that. But like logistically, I actually think that probably was like very hard to do if if even even true at all. I would say just in terms of like Q scores, I came away definitely knowing more, having a fuller picture of Megan mm-hmm. than I think I had previously. And sort of like, I think understanding her a little bit better. But meanwhile, I think I found Harry to be like so glum that it was sad and kind of like, honestly hard to watch. Completely I thought, agree. You know, it's just really sad. I mean, like Harry is like very clearly still processing a lot of his life experience, which I think is great that he's doing, but it's, it's really totally quite different from where it seems like Megan's at. And they're just, I, I definitely think I like understand their relationship a little bit better, which I think they also were trying to do. But at the same time, I found this to be like a pretty unremarkable, nearly three hours. Yes. And so one thing that I've noticed people like the the chatter the day after chatter is that people think the documentary might be saving some more notable stuff for parts four or five and six which is I frankly sort of daunting to think that there's like three more hours of this you know I, Megan, the, which, I mean Megan I just called you Megan yeah. Amanda they haven't even gotten married yet per per the documentary I I know it ends like the day before the day before this is, this is slow and this is in a lot of ways an example of like Netflix padding of like we are just we're not going to cut an episode we're gonna like keep your eyeballs on the screen for as long as possible which you know I guess if you if you have these big names, I suppose that makes sense business-wise. So, you know, maybe there is more naming in part two. Maybe there are more revelations in part two. I, I really doubt it. I do as well. I thought it was sort of interesting. I'm not sure I expected it at all from this. And so, I, and it was interesting to see that other people did. And that a lot of people were watching this just being like, okay, well, like, why aren't they naming names? Um, which is sort of an interesting. I, I wanted to ask you as a consumer of reality television, whether that affected how you watched this or received this as all, at all. It's an interesting question. I think the, I think the crown has a much bigger impact on how I watch this than, than anything else, especially, I think, especially how, um, seeing majors like reenact, seeing Johnny, having seen Johnny Lee Miller reenact some of the really like crucial moments from the end of Mm -hmm. Diana's life recently. And from that chapter as prime minister majors was really like that sort of like connected the best for me, which maybe was just my own bias because I'm so anti Dominic West as Charles. (laughs) But I think just also like being a heavy consumer of Meghan and Harry's content, like that also really impacted this for me. Like it's kind of, it's kind of more like being a tabloid reader Mm -hmm. more than anything else, which is sort of similar, honestly, to like how the Real Housewives is experienced and the Kardashians at this point where like most of the storylines already covered. So it's a rehashing from a perspective, a very specific perspective. Like for example... I don't know if you listen to Archetypes, but the audio of Megan, the commercial that Megan took issue with that she talks about, I think in episode two, maybe episode one, is also in episode one of Archetypes. And, talk, and sort of like for her, that's a foundational episode, whether that's foundational to how she's always thought about herself or right. how she's thinking about herself now, I don't know. But that is very, very specific. It's almost like it's like her own stump speech for explaining her worldview. Yes, absolutely. That is, it's, she is 
told it many times beyond archetypes. And I think it's kind of like in the package that, you know, if you're doing like an entertainment tonight feature on her or whatever, that like becomes, it is part of the, I mean, myth makes it sounds like I think it's like fictional, which I don't, but like the, the story, the, the, the presentation of Megan. Much like many other politicians, she's crafting a very specific image of herself. Exactly. I think Harry's is not, doesn't have that opportunity because there's a lot more media of him and he's just frankly made many more public mistakes, which he, you know, he talked about dressing up as a Nazi. Mm-hmm. And there's just a, there's like a much like bigger record of who Harry is versus Megan. You know, she was largely unknown um, to the world before she was on suits. And then she got like mega famous by dating Prince Harry. So there's more of an opportunity for her to be specific with how she positions who she was before we got to watch it transpire through the lens of, you know, paparazzi and newspapers and whatnot. And I think as a result, they really take advantage of that moment with this first three episodes where I feel like, as I said earlier, we just really got to know Megan in a way that we didn't before very much through how Liz Garbus and I think Megan and Harry wanted to position Megan, but yeah. the story they're telling is indicative of not only the information we're being given, but also how they want to position her. Yes. And who else they speak to, you know, the game of who are all of these friends and who are the people who agreed and probably like were asked and approved to speak in the documentary on behalf of Harry or Meghan. You know, there are specific childhood friends there. Serena Williams shows up in episode three, but I was a little amused to see that Serena Williams's agent, Jill, is featured in episode one as the as a quote friend um, who observed Megan at Wimbledon in 2016, which was kind of like the when she was in London and she and Harry finally met for the first time. She's not identified as Serena Williams's agent. That's some um, deep lore that I know because my best friends are obsessed with <laughs> You're her. Big fan. No, actually, it's <laughs> my friends Katie and Becky keep trying to. They text me like every Grand Slam and are like, "Can you please do a story on Jill?" And I'm like, you know, we like don't really do stories on agents. Um, and, but they're like obsessed with her. So then Jill was not identified as an agent. She was identified as a friend. But so that's like pretty interesting and I'm sure someone will do like an extreme deep dive identifying all of these people, some of whom are not identified by their last names. Like, did you notice like Nikki, Harry's childhood friend? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they also, they waited a really long time to show his name. Like, mm -hmm. I think the first time he's on, they actually don't show his name, which I was like waiting for because I was like, I was writing down all the people I wanted to Google. But, you know, that is notable on a couple, couple of levels including the fact that that's like pretty much the only person from like Harry's past who is on the record, which is just yeah. incredibly sad. Him and the famous Nacho. Nacho has oh, been right. their go-to yes. Harry quote and Harry source for a long time. That's true. He's got to be very uh, trustworthy and I'm assuming fun if he's, if he's hung around for this long. But <laughs> the other thing about Harry's past that I texted you, they do talk about Diane a lot and Harry brings up his mother's death and the way the media treated his mother and his fears about how that would be, you know, duplicated with his wife and his family. And so they do, they show a lot of archival footage of Diana, but they do also show some like personal moments or, you know, pictures of Diana in the home or pictures of young Harry with pictures of Diana. But I couldn't help but notice that all of the photos that Harry has of Diana are like famous professional photos. 
Which when you think about it, I guess if you're 12 years old, you aren't going to be taking like a lot of personal photographs, especially in the 90s. Like we didn't all have phones. So it may be that just there aren't that many personal photos of his mom from his childhood. And so instead he has to frame like these photos that we all have access to, which is like just like incredibly devastating, like tiny detail. And like and whether or not they were like framed to put in the documentary or whether that's just that's what he has access to. It's kind of like. I don't care any way you slice it. It's just incredibly depressing, which was just sort of my takeaway of like the whole Harry thing throughout this. I was like, this is really, really sad. I also don't think you see him like there's an extended shot of uh, from of iPhone footage of Megan holding Archie in front of a picture of yeah. Diana and saying that's grandma. And I don't think we see and there's some other moments where like we do see photos of Diana. And of course, Harry talks about his mother but we don't see him interacting with like those pictures the way that yeah. we do f- with Megan, which is interesting as well. You know, I also was just like wondering if a lot of like Harry's like quote unquote work product, which is like a legal term for any documents that like you like that you're that you might turn over in a legal investigation. Like, mm-hmm. does and does Harry like have possessions from like when he was a kid, or like are they like property of the monarchy? Like, I I actually don't know, and that kind of occurred to me as well. Right. I was just like, it is really sad. I mean, I of all the things that I like really want to know about Harry and Meghan as it relates to Harry's family, I'm most curious about his relationship with Will and Kate, mostly because I find that to be like the most heartbreaking thing for Harry's life now to me. It's not only that he's like, seems estranged, estranged from most of his family aside from Eugenie and her husband, Jack, who she's, or is she with, she's with Jack, right? Yes. Eugenie and Jack. I believe so. And Beatrice and, and Ido. Anyway, he's always been close with them. uh, Andrew's daughters, but I just think it's so sad that he, that he and Will just have, like are not close anymore. I mean, that's terrible. They because like they share this central trauma, right? Even if they didn't experience it exactly the same way, right? And Will and Ka- Will and Kate catch some strays in this. They're like, they're, yeah, they're not by name. You got to look for it. I did think in episodes two and three, like the number of times that they flashed like the infographic that's supposed to explain how the press offices work with like the I know. you know the faces of Will and Kate, and that it's like a deranged family tree and also like the kind of like the it's always it's so sunny British. it's but also like the it's always sunny board like the number of times yeah. that it keeps showing up and they're like but here's the conspiracy it's like a little bit much and you know there are a couple other things where harry's talking about like how you had to look for a woman you know a certain kind of woman and there's something about like formality anyway so yeah i would agree with you not follow he says like basically the men in his family are encouraged to right. pick like a good match instead of following their heart. And he says, I'm my mother's son and right. I, follow, I, lead, I lead with my heart or whatever. Right. So I would agree with you. It's evident that that relationship does not exist. And that's really sad. And it's just, to me, an extension of that is just like evident that Harry doesn't have any family or anything besides Megan. And, which, and, mm-hmm. and it's lovely that he found her and they do present it and you do kind of understand it as this person who was like desperately unhappy and desperately like alone and had not worked through any of his experiences and his mental health struggles, which he has since been like pretty open about in a way like that I I think is difficult and um, admirable and is clearly still working through them and found someone who was, at, you know, like who helped him like get out of it. Do you know what I mean? Who like, who honestly, 
they seem like a great match. The, yeah. I think my other takeaway is like, they seem really happy. Yes. Like th- this seems like it's working for them, which, which is really nice. But yeah, I mean, she was like on board to fill, I think a lot of voids that he was feeling. And that's, right. that's just the sense that I got from watching it. You know, ultimately I think while the family catches strays, there's no like the, no. the person who gets the most like direct, just disavowal is Megan's father, which we can come back to in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But ultimately this is kind of like one of the reasons also kind of boring is the major beats that they want to address are things that have already been in the press, but they haven't necessarily gotten to talk about completely on their own terms. So, you know, and so then ultimately that leads to what has been Harry's personal, you know, like one of his focal points for the last, you know, for most of his life, which is how they're treated by the media. And that's why the press office graphic comes up so frequently. And I think to their credit, I appreciated the attempt to contextualize the racism and the like the hate filled British media through the lens of like just the extremely ingrained imperial mindset of, you know, white Britain and empire and how Commonwealth is sort of like a, like a more like a like softer language, but like basically the same, the same conceit. And so I appreciated that they tried to present it that way and contextualize it that way. But I think ultimately it felt so disjointed and also like dissonant with the beginning of their story where they were, you know, camping in Botswana and sort of like just sort of like flying off to Africa for, for here and here and there to go to like Lesotho and like we said, Botswana and whatever. And ultimately like the sort of like reckoning with Commonwealth, with the Royal family through Harry's experience, I didn't think really made sense to me, but I did appreciate the attempt to like, recontextualize why the British press is, was so horrible to Megan, which is undeniable, but I just like, it didn't land for me. And I, and I honestly wish that had, had gone further. I would agree. I I do think it's important to note that while like Liz Garbus is the director of this documentary. And so a lot of, not every choice is theirs. Well, not every choice. And Right. And especially the the analysts and the like extracurricular information, I think, is like informed by what Harry and Meghan are saying and have experienced for sure. But that the documentarians are uh, trying to provide some of that context. And I would agree that like the documentary sees a lot of threads from the Commonwealth and kind of the after effects of empire and colonialism to, you know, Brexit also. And they talk a lot about the like the moment in 2016 in yeah. the UK and the anti-immigration and just kind of like the the vile modern energy and how that fed into just like the the energy in the UK, but specifically the treatment of Megan in the hands of the tabloids. So I agree with you that it's it doesn't all come together and and they like spend a lot of time doing it, but I appreciate that they tried to do it. I thought some context that they did very well, even if like, and it was maybe more familiar to you and me because you and I spent a lot of time studying like the media and paparazzi or whatever, but still I thought it was like very vivid was the recreation of the experience of paparazzi and like, yeah, being like tormented and stalked by these people. And, you know, they have Megan's mother, Doria, speaking about her experience in Los Angeles. And, you know, I thought that the footage of them in the car was definitely affecting. Yes, that was affecting when they're like in New York. Yeah. And you can on you can see Harry in particular, like genuinely being traumatized in like the the actual 
literal definition of that that word, which is very upsetting. I thought the interviews with the Suits producers about just the kind of like the 2016 that they had to like enclose the set and we were afraid that someone was going to be on her trailer and she's not getting any support. I, you know, all of that stuff was like really vivid and they yeah. do, I think, a great job of just reminding you how uh, oppressive and scary this can be and how little support that there is. And she was unprepared for it. I felt that she... I felt that the the documentary made a real point of reinforcing that Megan didn't know what she was getting into because they got so much heat for that after right. the Oprah interview where they were like, girl, why didn't you Google it? Yeah. And, and she's so like, I no, like I Instagrammed docu- it. <laughs> oh my God. I meant, My main question for you was, what do you think Harry's burner account is? <laughs> I felt like it got, it was like, I don't know. Maybe that was a fake one. There was something like, you know, well, daddy X, Y, Z, I don't remember. Or it was fake because they like, they like blurred out in like the app where you would see a username or whatever. But with, with, with her niece, Ashley, they also tried to do that, but it's like very easy to find Ashley Hale on Instagram. Also, I have long followed Lindsay Jill Roth on Instagram. So I was just going through who she follows to like see who are the people from Megan's life that she follows. That's Megan's, she's friend, she's in the documentary. She's Megan's friend from college. And yeah, the like we met on Instagram was the most Amanda Dobbins moments of this because you've long talked about how celebrities just use Instagram as a dating app and like that's how they do of it. Of course, and yeah, and it's tr- it's true. And, they proved and it. Harry being like, I saw like a Instagram effects video of her with like dog ears or whatever, and then inquired from a friend, and then they like became Instagram friends, and then texted. Like, I buy it. Like that, I was like, oh, okay, I do too. Yeah, this this actually makes sense also because. His texts to her as represented on screen were so lame and so like this yeah. is a person who doesn't really have to try very hard or like do very much was very evident. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really that was funny. I have to say, Megan seemed this is I feel like Megan seemed really happy in several moments with Harry. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, recounting some not. of the no, but like recounting <laughs> some of the harrowing moments, she was less happy. But like we so infrequently see her showing like a emotion that captures that she might feel like comfortable or safe. And mm-hmm. we did see that, which I think contributed to like being able to kind of yeah. enjoy her a little bit more. Cause she doesn't seem like she was like under siege. Like if you compare this with like the Oprah interview, yeah, they were clearly like so, so uncomfortable and unhappy at that moment. And I, it seems like they're happier in this. I mean, well, no, she's, none of this she seems recent, happier. But she seems and she happier. seems, she seems, you know, warm and and personable and i'm i genuinely mean this as a compliment she's very good in front of a camera like she seemed comfortable and knows how to like connect and i was engaged with her like in definitely in this and i Uh, thought it was like all the more noticeable because especially in their joint interviews Harry's not comfortable. And there are a couple like very awkward moments where she's even trying to set him up for stuff and he like shuts her down. There's one thing about how she's like, oh, he had a list of what he was looking for. And he very grimly is like, we're not going there. And it's like, it's awkward. Like that's like, that's like something that happens on the Bachelor reunions very frequently. They're like, like, oh, you want to go there? You really want to bring that into the public? That actually recently happened. So it was like really, really like almost like a tantrum. It was really uncomfortable and just sort of like his instant 
like, how dare you kind of thing, which on the one hand, I really like, I, I get it. He spent his whole life with people just like trying to take pictures of him all the time. But on the other hand, it was a little bit like, oh, that's not, that's not the most appealing vibe that I'm getting from you at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Let's talk about the recounting of her relationship with her father, Megan's father, Megan's half-sister, and Megan's niece. So her niece is Ashley Hale. She's Mm -hmm. the only person from Megan's family outside of her mom to be in the documentary. She, Megan and Ashley both explain how they had a really close relationship. Ashley's mother is Samantha Markle, who um, gets Ashley's herself in the press quite quite a bit. Biological mother, we should say, because that right. is how she identifies her. And uh, and she's yes, her grand her grandparents, her father like, Ashley's father's parents are are the ones who raised Ashley and formally adopted her. And that she says those those are her parents, and that Samantha Markle is her biological mom, and because of Samantha's behavior and also Thomas Markle, Megan's father's behavior. The palace advised Megan not to invite Ashley to the wedding, which was like really, uh, you know, fractious for their relationship for obvious reasons. Do you think they're on good terms again? I couldn't tell. Me neither. And I, I thought I thought Ashley, was promising that she's in the dock. Yes, and and I thought that she was lovely and incredibly poised in a very difficult situation and I really felt for her. Same. She seemed sad. She seemed really hurt by what what had happened. And yes. Not really mad at Megan though. She seemed very frustrated with Samantha Markle. Yes. And so that seemed like a very complicated and sad relationship. And then she was speaking through the call that she received from Harry and Megan of being like, and it, it, the way that Megan describes it, she uses the phrase the advice were being given which is a incredibly loaded passive voice. But anyway, to disinvite Ashley from the wedding, Ashley does like tear up in a way that I found like really affecting and sad. I think you're right that it's promising that it's maybe good news that she's in the documentary. And, but also like I, I felt for her that she was in the documentary because she's sort of being offered up to the media, you know, and this like very sad thing only becomes more public. It's not hard to find her on Instagram. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, these are like hard private things. And even the justification that they give for not inviting her to the wedding of like, this is really hard to explain and people won't understand. And so why don't we just like keep this a little, you know, to ourselves, which on the one hand is heartbreaking. And on the other hand, like, I guess like does make little sense and I, I'm not justifying it, but I'm like, I, you know, but to have done that then, and then to have to give up on it now, it's just, it seems sad that she like, yeah, she just seems like she's gotten the short end of the stick on like basically every single point along the way on this one. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. I think very few very few of Megan's friends had actually attended the reception that in the evening of the wedding or in the dock. Like Abigail Spencer, I know went to the wedding, but I believe I recall from 2017 that none of the suits cast went to the reception. Silver Tree, who is one of Megan's friends in, in the dock, is, she directed 10 episodes of Suits. So I, I assume that's how they met. By the way, I didn't know that off the top of my head. I looked it up. Okay. I just want you to know as a, as a Suits fan. I don't know if she was there, but... There seems like very people, very few people who were part of the inner circle at the time are still in the inner circle now. 
incredibly notably Jessica Mulroney, who is invisible from this documentary. Who was no, no, there. no. She is, well, she is not. Except for the pictures. Except for the pictures and except for the footage literally from the engagement where, yeah. and the, the story of the engagement is slightly different, which is like, great. You don't have to tell the entire, like, tell the world what you want. Like, I actually, there have been some tabloid things of being like, what? He didn't propose in the cottage. He proposed outside the cottage and how dare they not share that? Like, who gives a fuck? Who cares? You know what? Like, yeah. if you tell Keep it, it to yourself. Yeah, that's, it's 100% okay with me. But apparently there was like a little lag time. And so as Harry was like setting up the electric candles outside or whatever, which is like, honestly a little cute, Megan like FaceTimes a friend named Jess to be like, it's happening, it's happening. And there's a clip from that. And in in the documentary, which I like, I have some questions about how that footage, like who's recording that in real time, but whatever. That's obviously Jessica Mulroney. It's like, it's, you know, I I don't have confirmation on that, but I like would bet a lot of money that that is Jessica Mulroney. So that is notable. Yeah. And so, you know, Jessica Mulroney was her stylist and then her her longtime makeup artist, whose first name is Daniel, whose last name I'm forgetting right now, but I will look it up, is in the doc and she talks about how long they've been working together. She and Jessica Mulroney, I think they had grown apart already and then Jessica Mulroney had a really unfortunate, or not unfortunate, really ugly episode in 2020 where she was basically like taking credit from black influencers and then wouldn't apologize. And, and also so, bullying them, right? And bullying, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And she has sort of like just disappeared since then. She, I mean, it was really ugly and she seems like a pretty, you know, bad, like just like not bad persons, like so it's like a vague way of putting it, but everything about what happened there suggests that she really isn't deserving of attention. So I'm glad she's not in the dock, but I thought that was pretty notable because she was such a big part of like Megan's inner circle at the time they got married and they're really, they've like zoomed in on that so much. That was interesting to me. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay authenticity guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. 
to find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Should we talk about her father? Yeah. It's just I depressing. Mean, yeah, I also, you know, this is settled. She had sued the Daily Mail about uh, the Daily Mail uh, running communications between her and her father that her father had given to them without her consent. That was the legal case that basically they didn't have her approval to run words that she had written and they won. The the copyright of the content of any letter is the the letter writer. The writers. Yeah. I think that, you know, they have they have other ongoing litigation, but I think that they that like they probably were able to discuss this one in full because it mm-hmm. was it's a settled matter. And also because she's completely estranged from him. And I think they I get the impression since this since basically their wedding that they feel he did so much damage to their image and to like just to the access to them that they seem very like just still very angry, understandably so. Like, you know, they they say it in plain, plain words in the doc, like they were learning updates about her father from TMZ. Well, they say it yeah. tabloid, but it's from TMZ. And, you know, they I think that's like such an utter betrayal for them based on what she experienced and of course what Diana went through that like there's just no coming back from that and the same applies to Samantha Markle as well because she's done the same and I think because they are not in Harry's family and because they're what they have done has no like aura of secrecy around it or like a shroud of of you know like a hidden shroud of like this is how things work it's much easier to and there's much little much less blowback at this point to be very clear and plain spoken about what Samantha and Thomas Markle did versus the anonymous people we don't know from the various press offices that also probably have not helped them. Yeah, I did also wonder, I wonder whether this will work. I think What do you mean by that? Well, I think they have every right and I understand and and think all of the the stuff with her father is heartbreaking and the stuff with Samantha Markle is, uh, is ugly and upsetting. And I think that it's doubly difficult because obviously Harry and Meghan have no ability to control whether these people speak to the media or whether the media speaks to these people. I guess we should note that there's a Samantha Markle like denies a lot of what they allege and says like the media has like made up quotes from her, whatever. So this seems like in a lot of ways, like an effort to stop some of this, you know, which I, I completely understand wanting this person who has been incredibly hurtful to you to not be, to just like stop being in the media all of the time. Like that's it, like, I get it. And I'm speaking about Samantha Marker here specifically, but also her father to an extent, but it really did feel like this was an attempt to say, okay, like maybe if we clear the record, maybe if we make it, clear from our side what a relationship with this person is, what the experience of this person is, then like she'll have less credibility going forward and maybe she won't just like be in the media as much. And I, 
I don't know whether that works. You know, I don't know whether it it seemed like an effort to just stop it. And I think as media watchers, what we've learned is so often just like the more oxygen you give to something, like the longer it goes on. Streisand effect. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me sad. I, this one's just really, really sad. And I genuinely wish that every single tabloid would just stop talking to this person who who's not helping who's not helping how about that agreed should we do a like a lightning round of just like small moments that made us laugh or we wanted to note number one for me Mm -hmm. this is not a small moment but a recurring theme that i just i was sort of blown away by yeah megan is so pretty without makeup i was just like wow she looks great all the time and i was like she's so beautiful Let let me just, without makeup, yes, but with makeup, like in all settings, just an incredibly beautiful woman. Just, just really very beautiful. I thought they made an appearance at a foundation in New York earlier this week. I thought, I thought that she looked spectacular, astonishingly beautiful. Yeah. And, and, you know, finally, like they did the right number of fittings and she just looked amazing. Beautiful woman. She's so beautiful. I was like, wow, really, really comes through. I was pretty amazed by that. Next, mm-hmm. a quick one from you. Sorry, was, let's go. Oh, back and oh, forth. you want to go back and forth? Um, yeah, I really enjoyed all the behind the scenes footage, all of their like cute family photos, and it made me think that they would be really good on social media. Just too bad you guys don't have an Instagram page where. And I understand why because everyone's like so vile. I like I get it, but every single one of the cute photos, like the selfies with their kids. I like, I mean, maybe I'm the target demo for that, but I was like, this is adorable. Good job, guys. I mean, Megan did tell Allison Davis in the pages of the cut that she's returning to Instagram. So I okay. hope that's true. Okay. Harry being a bird watcher, a birder. Love <laughs> it. Let's, I did. Let's have that. this man on the ramble in Central Park. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I would like some their supporting documents on that, you know? That tracks for me. I bet Charles is also a birder. He's like, okay. you know, obsessed with the environment and stuff. I bet that's right. like a big, like, Balmoral, Sandringham. Like, this is what we do on our states. We we watch birds, I believe right. it. They're like okay. really into the natural world. All of Megan's friends calling him H... Like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Okay, this has been... <laughs> this has been the top discussion I've had with friends via text. Of all of the letters in the English alphabet... H yeah. is the least likely to become a nickname because it is not easy to say. It is not A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I think it's I H. Think w is also hard, but that, yes, but that you can yeah. shorten into something. W, as we yeah, saw H. With, with our 43rd president. Sure. H is really tough. W rolls off the tongue. It's true. Just every single one of the friends. I was like, on the one hand, I really appreciate how just like media managed everyone is you guys are in line Mm -hmm. like good work this is but also like stop it I don't believe you I know I know it was okay it was like just it was a lot yeah I felt like Harry of all the humans I've seen in the world I feel like he there's while clearly being the same person I feel like he looks the least like his his baby photos and like his childhood photos like I feel like something about his face has changed I mean, it could. That that happens. Yeah. Like, are you, but you're not like alleging like. No, no, no. I'm not no, alleging no, no. anything. I just think it's kind of like interesting. It's like I feel like the computer model of what Harry was going to look like as a child. Like, if you took a childhood picture and you yeah. did like, the computer modeling and then did it next to him, would like not. You'd be like, oh, this person is the same coloring and is like, yes, this is the same person, but right. not what we expected. I don't yeah. know. Just throw that out there. Okay. Similarly, 
I just absolutely loved all the ski fashions of the 1990s. Like, yeah, really good. Wow. Really good. The kids ski gear. It just was really fantastic. Yeah. And I appreciated how much, like how much of the sort of to prove the point about the paparazzi, they use a lot of vacation photos. So that was like them on the yacht as, as dramatized in season five of the crown, right. Them skiing, like all this stuff. I really enjoyed all the vacation garb. Right. I didn't know that Megan went to Hollywood Schoolhouse, aka the Little Red Schoolhouse, mm. which as a, like a parent with a child approaching preschool age in Los Angeles, that's a that's a schoolhouse of note. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Is it? What like what's what's yeah, the Yeah, it's in Hollywood. The rap. I, well, I mean, she went like 30 years ago at this point, so who could say but it's centrally located and difficult to get into and I think a number of celebrity kids also go there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Megan seemed like very unfamiliar with Los Angeles. Like when they were driving her around her old neighborhood. Right. She was just like, oh, wow. What a cute neighborhood this is. (laughs) It's like, have you really not no idea what it's like now? But Well, she hasn't lived there in a long time, if you think about it, because she was Uh, in Toronto. Well, she was in Toronto. For half the year. She's like, I don't know. Also, haven't you noticed that everyone in Los Angeles is like, just uses like, you know, Google Maps or Waze and doesn't like really know where anything is. They just put yeah, their, that's true. it. I like, that's a thing that I don't like about LA that I'm, I'm trying to learn my way around. Anyway. I think that uh, it was a, actually like a really nice portrayal of suits, the suits cast and mm-hmm. the environment in Toronto. It yeah. made it seem like a really like healthy, lovely place to be. Yeah. Which was actually my impression at the time. I was like, oh, it seems great to be working on a show in Toronto. Yeah. So, Except it's cold. It was great. I have another thing for you that's more of a question. I don't know if you caught this. Sure. Go, and and go I suppose this is like a larger question about how are like how are we sourcing and perhaps authenticating all of the personal media that's used in this? Is, is it recreations? Anyway, at one point there is like I believe that it's like Megan's phone is receiving a call from Has as it's saved in the phone, and the background is like a a glamorous photo of Megan herself. And so I'm like, is, so is your wallpaper a glamorous photo of yourself or did someone (laughs) mess up in the recreation here? Like what's, what's going on? Right. Because even if, even if it's Harry FaceTiming her, it would be him, you know, and you get like the preview would be him. It would not be like what he has saved on his phone. So, I I just I don't know. I think someone should check that in the edit. I think it's an editing problem. I'm, okay. I feel I feel like Megan is definitely like a black and white photo of her kids, maybe with her kids. Yeah, as her home. Screen. I agree with that. Like, there's no no I, question in my. I agree mind. though. This was like 2000. And this was pre kids. So that's true. You know. Nevertheless, but yes, so the recreation. We're, yeah, we're operating under the assumption that all of this is recreated. Like, talk to me though about the engagement footage, like. Hmm. That looked pretty real. Who was recording that? I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe, maybe I don't know. People, people hire what engagement like photographers and videographers a lot. Like that's a comp- yeah. But she's like in a like closet. No, no, no. She, but the part where she's calling her friend and she's like in a right. closet. Who's recording that? Maybe he, maybe he was recording it. Well, that seems illegal. I mean, I'm not really sure about the like sec. You know, two party consent rules in the UK, <laughs> but. Anyway, okay, all right. Maybe we'll learn know, more about that. Yeah, hopefully we will. I think that's all of my my quick takes. Mine as I, well. 
I have to say, I enjoy discussing this more than I enjoyed watching it. Same. So thanks for the content, I guess. Thanks for giving us this pod. We'll be doing this again next Friday. Oh my God. Next Friday, you'll be getting it on Saturday. You know, tweet tweet us, DM us your thoughts. We'd love to hear them. And thank you to our producer, Jade Whaley, for not only producing this episode, but providing some really helpful context for us at the beginning of the show as someone who's been less unhealthily obsessed with these people. Yeah. And also, congratulations to Jade for just not having wasted her life watching every single minute of this. May we all follow her lead. Yeah. We will talk to you all soon. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.